Salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Commish. Football is what it is. What you see is what you get. Bill Parcells was good for saying, you are what your record is. And we're six weeks into football. And, you know, if there's one thing I could say about watching football, you see everything. You see a lot of what comes to the light when you're dealing with players and coaches and teams and general organizations that put these teams together and I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I, I don't want to be the one to sit here and say, well, you know, this team may do well in the future. This team may just survive. This team may succeed. No, no, no. By now we see what these teams are all about. Six weeks in. I saw the Philly Dallas game. I saw the Eagles play the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday. And by now, we should see what the Eagles are all about. Okay? We should be able to see what the Eagles are all about and not have to try to decide for ourselves if the Eagles are for real. We should have to sit down and decide for ourselves if the Giants, shout out to Giants fans out there, Jersey and what have you out there. Shout out to you guys. We don't have to sit back and see if these teams are for real. We don't have to wait and see. It pains me to say this because we're talking about Philly. We're talking about the Giants. We're talking about teams that this time last year, outside of what they might have done the last three weeks of the season, were struggling to identify themselves. They were struggling to try to find ways to win. Let's call it for what it was. And now you look six weeks into the game, into into the season, and I see great teams. I mean, great teams. I mean, sensational teams. Teams that blew me away this past weekend. I I would not have predicted what I've seen thus far over the last few weeks. Dare I say the last six weeks of football. But you just know, just from watching how they've developed over time, just how well this team or teams have flourished. And I'm happy. A part of me is happy as a fan to see how these teams have bounced back from where they were last year to where we are now. And I just shouted out Philadelphia. I shouted out the Giants. I guess I could shout out Atlanta, giving it the tie for first place. I'll shot them out because they had a rough road to hoe, as they say. But, you know, I, it's still the fact I'm not going to give a lot of these teams a pass. I just think that in the midst of adversity, in the midst of what people may say, the naysayers about what this team can and can't do, there are teams out there that have to show and prove. And there's a list of teams thus far that are at 500 or better that are slowly gaining that recognition. And, and, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand, the commission himself, and say, you know what? I was highly skeptical about these teams going into this year. I was highly skeptical. I did not know if these teams really had what it because I could be that type of critic. I see how general management is. I see how coaching is. And I got to be honest with you. To this day, I don't. I still don't know who the GM is for the Giants. I think it's Joe Shine. <laughs> hope I said you right. I hope I said your name right. I believe it's Joe Shine. I don't know who the G- general manager is for the Eagles. It's sad. I, I probably should know this. But it's just... <laughs> We got to give credit where credit is due. Maybe that's the point I'm trying to make right now. We have to give credit where credit is due. Six weeks in, who would have thought 
that Philly would be undefeated going into their bye week. What? Who would have thought that the Giants would be 5-1? and one? Oh, my gosh. The Giants are 5-1. and one. The Jets are 4-2. and two. Shout out to Jets fans all over the world. This is amazing. It's remarkable. We are now watching what we probably would not have seen if we were not dealing with coaches and players and GMs that just drafted anybody for the sake of drafting them. It took thought. It took work. It took time. It took an understanding that we can't be the doormat of the division anymore. At some point, you wake up and realize, I can't stand this. As a fan of the Washington Commodores, excuse me, the Washington Commanders, as a fan of the Commanders, I can't take it anymore. It's amazing how we are still light years away from where all these other teams are with a lot of these players that were drafted by these teams are looking so good. What is up with some of these teams? What is up with some of these organizations? Now, of course, I know the scrutiny behind Washington, so I don't want to really digress so much into that. We all know the story at this point. It probably goes beyond what we see on the field. Okay, I get that. But look at Detroit. Detroit still looks bad. Look at Chicago. My goodness. They traded up to get Justin Fields, and they still look bad. Look at Denver. Oh, oh. Denver. For some stupid, silly reason in my mind, I thought Denver was going to own the division. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Now, whether it's the coach, whether it's Russell Wilson, having a big head with all that money he has, I do not see cohesion on these teams. I don't see how these teams respond to each other, player to player, player to coach, coach to GM. I don't see the cohesion with these teams. And whether you're watching these football games live, on TV, at a bar, at a restaurant, wherever they may be to watch these games, by now we see just how bad a lot of these teams are. And we see how some of these players respond to bad football. Poor football. Poor execution. Poor situation. Games. Football. This, there's nothing pretty about a loss that you should have won. And Denver, for the last few weeks, had games they probably should have won, but lost. Probably by one possession, three points or less, whatever the case may be. The Raiders... The Las Vegas Raiders lost games within a possession or less. To my understanding, I think it might have been four or five points or less. Teams just knocking on the door, trying to win games, and they can't. Same thing with Detroit. Let's face it. Either you know what you're doing in office or you don't. Either you know how to decipher, interpret, talent or you don't I don't listen I don't want any other critic I don't want any other commentator journalist analyzer to come out and talk about just how great these coaches are that's bull there's nothing great about coaches that can't win the chip or more I'm sorry I I guess I have to put that platform in place I'm looking at Belichick. Their team is off to a rough start. So what? He'll get the job done. They'll find their way in the playoffs. 
Andy Reid might not have been right out the gate winning games with the Chiefs. So what? They made adjustments, losing Tyreek Hill. And look at them. They're tied first place in the division. Either you know how to coach or you don't. Either you're familiar with your team or you're not. Whether you have the ability to get this team in shape or you can't is the reason, is the difference between where you are in the division and if you make the playoffs. I think I can firmly sit in this seat and say the Jets will make the playoffs. Now, will they be a wild card? Perhaps. I don't see them knocking off Buffalo. I don't see Miami being a threat anymore, but that's in large part because of the fact that Tua Tungavailoa took a blow, literally, and is now trying to get back into a rhythm. But look at what the New York Jets are doing to this point. Is it safe to say, for those listening to this podcast, is it safe to say that the Jets would have played the Ravens now? They played week one, and the Jets looked horrendous. They hilariously got their butts beat. Of course, they had Joe Flacco throwing the ball 60 times, but I digress on that. The question I ask is this. If the Ravens were to play the Jets right now going into week seven, are we still saying that the Ravens would beat the Jets based on what we see thus far? Shout out goes out to Coach Salah. You have done something that has put this person, the commission, in awe. He took receipts. He may still have the receipts. Thank God he don't have my receipt because I did not put any shares into what the Jets and the production would be this season. However, there are teams that are in a similar situation, but considering what the Jets have been through over the last few weeks and the last several months and the last several seasons, this has become an eye-opener. This has become a reckoning of sorts because this team has now proven to us that in spite of what we've done over the last six weeks, we can maintain this. We can go out there and be a dominant force against a team like Green Bay. Yeah, well, Green Bay just lost Devontae Adams and a whole lot of guys on offense. I don't care. I saw how they played in Lambeau Field, and they were impressive. And I don't care what anybody else says regarding the Jets and what they're future may hold. The fact that we're talking about them over 500 six weeks into the season, that's phenomenal. They are they are in pace. They are on pace to becoming that team that you don't want to ignore anymore. This all shows signs of progress that at this point in time, considering that Coach Salah might have been on the hot seat, going into this season has responded well with his defense looking phenomenal out there along with the offense clicking running passing the ball the running game looks sensational I'll shout out Brees Hall I'll shout out Michael Carter I'll shout out anybody that's running the ball for the Jets right now because they look insane they're proving to me that they do have the pieces to win games now, it helps that Zach Wilson is healthy, of course. We don't necessarily want to go out there and see Joe Flacco throw the ball 60 times. Shouldn't have to come to that. But the point I'm making here is this. We have to give credit where credit is due. When we're talking about a team like the Jets that go out there and pummel the Green Bay Packers in their home field, Green Bay only put up 10 points 
against a Jets defense that a few years ago was ranked last. At what point do we start giving credit where credit is due? Look at Philly and what they're doing. My goodness. No one can beat this team. They found an answer in Jalen Hurts. And I'm happy for Jalen Hurts. Shout out to Jalen Hurts. I did talk about Jalen Hurts a few weeks ago. Didn't think that he was MVP material. Maybe he is. I mean. But, you know, I don't want to get too far into that. Because only threw the ball, what, 30-something times for 155, 160 yards. That's not impressive. You do that against a team like Buffalo. You do that against a team like the Chiefs. You're going to lose. I'm just saying. Philly has to do a little bit more for me on offense to prove to me that they can still maintain this winning streak. And Jalen Hurst is going to have to do a lot more, similar to what we saw what he did against Washington, to become impressive. But he's impressive right now. So again, I don't want to knock Jalen Hurst what he's done thus far because he's helped his team get to 6-0. But what I want to do is credit the offensive line for doing an outstanding job on offense. Give it up to Jason Kelsey. Shout out to the center for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's the one that is making this offense run. It's not Jalen Hurst. Okay? Let's call it what it is. It's not Miles Sanders. Okay? It's not A.J. Brown. It's not Devontae Smith. It's not Dallas Goddard. It's not those guys. It is Jason Kelsey. He has riled this offensive line together to say, let's go out there and block for these guys. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're creating holes. They're creating time for Hurts in the pocket to do his work, to show off his athleticism, to show off his talent as a quarterback. And it's working. Coach Sirianni, I knocked that man from day one. Nothing about that first press conference gave me any impression this guy was even knowledgeable being a head coach. But you know what? He's proved me wrong. He's proved me he's proved me very wrong in comparison to what we see now with Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. This man has been there for four seasons, got a pay extension, and you still look like crap. Last in the division. Nothing is impressive about the Arizona Cardinals in comparison to, to a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. Two different coaches, I get it. Two different styles, I get that too. But look at where the quarterback situation is very similar. And yes, they played a very close game a few weeks back there in Arizona. The point I'm making here is this. Either you got it or you don't. Either the coach is good or he's not. There's some coaches that are just not good. Cliff Kingsbury is not a good coach. And I can go down the list of a whole lot of other, pe- other coaches that are not good coaches. But you know, when I'm looking and I'm evaluating the last six weeks of football, what I see is chemistry. Young coaches, young teams. Look at the Giants and what they've done. Look at Philly, as I've mentioned already. Look at Cincinnati, albeit tied for first. Zach Taylor, the way he's working with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They started off slow, but they're building up. They're getting there. Lost a close one that Sunday night against Baltimore. But you know what? Cincinnati's going to be in the hunt again. Chargers, go Chargers, go. Look at what they're doing. I'm not really impressed with the Chargers so much. But they're right there in the hunt for first place in the division. Got to give credit where credit is due. This is what this episode's about. Six weeks in, we got to give credit to these teams that we just wrote off. 
these teams that we just didn't feel in our minds really had the production to be successful thus far. And I know we evaluate a lot of these teams two weeks into the season to say if they're going to the playoffs. So if you're 0-2, chances are you're not going to the playoffs. <laughs> but what if you're 6-0? What if you're 5-1? A lot of these teams are 3-3. Three and three. Are we still going to write them into the playoffs? Should we write them out of the playoffs based off how they started? And I got to say, for the Jets, they started off rough. They got smoked the first game. I think won a close one against Cleveland. Got smoked the third game. And now they look practically, practically unstoppable. I'm proud for the Jets. I'm proud for Joe Douglas and what he's done to that organization, the GM there. He has proven to me that with good drafting, locating good talent, we can win some games. You know, Miami, they're doing a sensational. Eh, up until Tua Tungvaloa got hurt, they were undefeated. Tua goes out, and then they lost three straight. Okay. But there's just some teams right now, when you look at them, it's like, you got to be kidding. One of the points I wanted to express in this podcast is that all that glitters, isn't gold. All that glitters is not gold. Arizona, we talk high about Arizona going into this year, they're two and four. Chicago going into this year, two and four. Denver, my goodness, two and four. Green Bay is three and three. The thing about Green Bay is this. Now I'll digress on Green Bay for just a few minutes. And I've said this before. I'm not sold. I'm not buying in head coach Matt LaFleur. I'm not. Haven't. Now, whether he is a microcosm, whether he is a microcosm of what that organization is there in Green Bay, what I don't see is a relationship between coach LaFleur and quarterback Aaron Rodgers that shows that they could be successful down the road. Yes, you lose a key asset in Devontae Adams, and you think that because it's Aaron Rodgers, you could just throw to anybody, and they will respond the same way that Adams responded, but that's not what we're dealing with right now. And it's almost unfair if we're talking about giving this much credit to an Aaron Rodgers to go out there and just man this team to another successful season of 13 wins. Because I got to believe they are not going to hit 13 wins. They'll be lucky to hit 10 wins this season. Can they? They probably could. I think with time, they will find something that works offensively. And dare I say even defensively. To allow this team the opportunity to win. But they let the Jets put up 27 points on them. 27 points, if I'm correct. A lot of that stands with coaching. A lot of that, let's face it. Coaching really is the biggest issue here. How can we motivate these teams to win? How can we get Aaron Rodgers to go out there and be the Aaron Rodgers of old with younger talent? Sometimes it doesn't work. If you got too much old talent with a lot of young talent, that may not work either. Tampa Bay, stand up. Tom Brady wants to party all night long. Party all the time, party all the time. He wants to make sure that his former owner his former employer, Rob Kraft, has a great wedding, or whatever the case may be, 
So he's there for the wedding. Misses Saturday's practice or something or another. Tom Brady looks horrible against the Steelers. And then he wants to chew out the offensive line? Are you serious, bruh? So, so the, the offensive line is the reason why they lost. Of course. Of course. Let's blame the punter for not putting the ball within five yards of the end zone. Let's blame the kicker for not getting that ball upright through the goalposts. Let's blame the running backs. Let's blame Lenny Fournette for not getting that first down on four from one. Let's blame everybody. That's what's problematic when you're talking about older quarterbacks with younger teams. Because we feel as though the older quarterback should be able to teach the younger team how to play ball and be successful. No. It's not like that. That's not your job. Tom Brady... That Buccaneers team is hanging on by a string. Who knows that in another six weeks that Atlanta's not the top team in the division. Because based on what I see with Tampa Bay, we're under the impression because it's Tom Brady, because it's the Buccaneers, that they will have a run of which they'll win more games than losing games. Maybe they'll go on a tear and win five out of six games in the next third of the season. But that's not guaranteed. Are, are we set? Are, are we we are we comfortable? Are we settled on that? Can we sit here or stand here and say that the Buccaneers are going to win the division this year, knowing that Atlanta's right on their tail? See, the thing is this. Outside of giving credit where credit is due, sometimes we got to own up to our own mistakes. Whether it be in high office, the executive office, GM, presidency, whatever you may be, coaching, coaching staff, the level of talent with these players. Somebody has to own up to the mistakes. Washington thought they did the right thing by selecting Rivera as the coach, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe Rivera is the problem because of the fact that he is just not fit for today's NFL. It's a possibility. You look at that division, NFC, NFC East, Philly, Dallas, New York, all doing well with new coaches. All of them. Some coming after Washington High Rivera. And yet we are still, I say we, are still at two and four. Everybody else is over 500, but Washington ain't. Is it the fact that they have better talent than Washington? No. But if you can't coach a team to win, if you can't coach young talent to win, if you can't coach the guys that you have there to be successful, then you're useless as a coach. You can throw every play that you have out the window because those plays are predictable. The problem with Washington is that they're predictable. Detroit is predictable. Arizona is predictable. Chicago is predictable. They're just teams right now that are just predictable. You just know what they're going to do before they do it. There's sometimes in a game where a team like this could go for the fourth down, but you know exactly what they're going to do before they even snap the ball. That's poor coaching. That's the, It goes beyond what you think about the talent. You got to know what play works, what you can execute, and give this team a chance to keep moving the ball to score. If you can't do that, you're not going to win. Nathaniel Hackett, same thing in Denver. Fourth down and two. We can't pass the ball two yards. Russell Wilson's getting paid one of the highest contracts in the NFL. He can't connect with his receivers? What doesn't make sense about this? What, what, what is puzzling us to think that 
for what you hired in these coaches and for what you signed with these players that it's just supposed to work. It's not working. So give credit to the teams that this time last year wasn't working because now they get it. Oh, we understand now what we need to do. Maybe we have to encourage Daniel Jones a little bit more to connect with his receivers. Maybe we got to encourage that offensive line to block with these quarterbacks. Maybe we got to show uh, Jalen Hurts how to keep the pocket intact, to give him time to throw the ball. We know he could throw it. We know he could throw it 50 yards down the field. We got to give this man some time. The success of a team really comes down to how you understand and can work with the team. Cohesion, chemistry, understanding what these players can and can't do. Once you figure that out, then we can, we can give praise to a Giants team, a Jets team that's doing outstanding. We can give praise to a Buffalo team and a, and a Philly team and, 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 and so many other teams. Minnesota is just doing well. That's what it's about. I can't understand for the life of me why it's so hard to put together the coach with the team. I can't understand why it's so hard, but then you know what? That's what the NFL is all about, right? Not for long. So says the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. This is the, this is the commission. I want to thank all those who listen to the show. It means that much to me. Just wanted to ramble a little bit about what I saw in the last six weeks. I'm impressed. Truly. I am I'm, truly. I am I am so impressed with a lot of these teams and how they all praises go to them. For the, for the first six weeks of the season, you've done some outstanding things. And I'm fearful for Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. I understand what he's trying to do. And I want to see this man get his contract. I want to see him get big dollars. I want him to see, I want to see that he gets the guaranteed money that he deserves as that quarterback, as that offense moves the ball because of him. He deserves top pay. But after losing like this, the last few games, what exactly is going to happen there in Baltimore? Are they going to stand to their guns or stick to their guns? Are they going to stick to their guns and let Lamar know this is all we're going to pay you? Because for what we've seen over the last six weeks or so, you haven't proven to us that you can do what it is we want for you to do. It's tough criticism, but I get it. The Ravens have to find a way to win games, win a division, and go into the playoffs and win more games. And that's what we don't see with Lamar. Is it all his fault? No. But we're going to place blame on Lamar Jackson because he is the oil to the engine of this team to make it run. We're expecting him to connect on every pass, on most passes, in fairness. We expect from him, if he's going to scramble, scramble for the first down. Don't turn the ball over. And as much as I think he hasn't done that thus far, it's still the fact that they're losing games. Now, that's not all Lamar. I know that defense is not the best, but Lamar is the one that's playing for his life right now. He's the one that's trying to get that contract. And the losses don't look good regardless of his stats, regardless of what he does with this team. It's just, it's just the fact that for where we are now in the NFL, you're not going to get paid top dollar if you can't win games for this team or any team. 
It's just the fact that what Lamar is trying to do, it is hurting him more than it's helping him. Because all we see is L's, a lot of L's stemming from the games that they've lost over the last six weeks. I think they're three and three tied for first place. So it's not bad for them right now because they can respond in a way where Lamar could be great again. But the point I'm making is that Lamar deserves that contract like a like a, most of the quarterbacks out there in the league now. I want to see him get it. I want to see him get that guaranteed money. So says the commission. I'm going to end it there because I'm running out of time. I rambled enough. I like what I see in football. I like what I see with a lot of these teams. It creates parity. It creates a lot of conversation, controversy. And I'm sure I'll touch on that when the time comes. Again, this is the Neil Down Podcast. I am the Kamish. Hope everybody has a sensational weekend. Sensational weekend. Weather should be good. It's getting a little chilly, especially here on the East Coast. Do what you have to do and find the time to spend time with family and friends if you can. We'll be looking at Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas, what feels like within the next few weeks. With that being said, Wish everybody the best of weekends again. Peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. And I'm out.